Let's pray and ask God to teach us through his word. This has already been such a rich time, Jesus. Thank you for this body, for each different part that's here. You've saved us. You've purchased us with your blood. You've given us your Holy Spirit. You've made us new creations in Christ. And you've gifted us to build each other up as as we've done here so far. And thank you for that. And we ask you for even more, Lord, right now. Just help me as I preach your word. Help us to wrestle with your scripture, to think through how to live this out in our everyday lives, that we can follow you, Jesus, the way you want us to follow you, and that we can bring you glory and advance your mission here in the South Bay area. So help me now and give us ears to hear your word, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. That's good. So this summer, we're doing a series which I've called The Fight of Faith which is to help us think through kind of in the nitty-gritty situations of life, what does it really mean to have faith in Jesus? What does it mean to trust Jesus in different situations that we're in? And what I want to focus on this morning is what does faith in Jesus have to do with our feelings? What's the connection between faith in Jesus and our emotions? How do those connect up together? For example, uh, this last Tuesday night, I was driving home from the high school home group, and we'd had a really good time together, so what I'm going to share is they're not to blame for this, but I was driving home, and I started to think about a problem that, that I had, and that is, a little while back, we bought a great used car uh, for a really fantastic price, and we bought it during the time before gas prices Escalated. They were still relatively low at that point in time. And this car has like below average mileage, which didn't make that big of a difference back then. Maybe some of you are experiencing the same trauma. But uh, since then, of course, gas prices have gone up and the costs of filling that car up have gone up dramatically. And so we're thinking, you know, should we sell the car and uh, buy something with lower gas mileage? Will gas prices come back down again? You know, will I win the lottery? What's it going to take? You know, which is it going to be? And, of course, everybody, you know, many other people are trying to sell their cars at the same time, so the market's probably kind of glutted with those kinds of cars. So if we do manage to sell it, it would be for a lower price than, you know, we bought it for, obviously. So all these things are in my mind. And as I'm driving home thinking about these things, I'm starting to get frustrated and bothered because I can't think of any real good solution to the problem. Frustrated, bothered, and, and bugged, okay? So there I am driving, feeling frustrated, feeling bothered, and feeling bugged. And so the question is, at times like that, when you are feeling frustrated, bothered, and bugged by something, what does it mean to have faith in Jesus Christ? What does that mean? What does it mean to trust Jesus at times like that? How does faith in Jesus, times like that, affect our feelings affect our emotions? That's the question I want us to think about this morning and wrestle with. And we're going to be talking about it in our home groups. How does this work? And the passage I want us to focus on this morning is Romans chapter 15, verse 13. So let's turn there together. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. One of the ushers will pass one out to you. In the Bibles we're passing out, Romans 15, 13 is on page 949. And I'm thinking we might have time for questions at the end, too. So if you have a question about something I say, jot it down. We may have time to address it at the end. Romans 15, 13, page 949. 
Now here's what's going on in this verse. Paul is kind of wrapping up his book. He's wrapping up chapters 14 and 15, but really the whole book by telling the Roman believers what he's praying for them. And he's kind of expressing a prayer wish. This is what he prays, but he, he's like speaking it to them. And so here's what he says, Romans 15, 13. He says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Now that's a verse that we could really easily read, feel good about, joy, peace, hope, we like those words, then move on and, and miss some of the profound life-transforming truths that are in that verse. And we here at Mercy Hill Church, we're asking God to make us a people who think deeply about the Scriptures and pray deeply over the Scriptures so that we can see the truth that's in verses like this. And so, as I thought about this verse, prayed over this verse, there's at least two truths that I saw in this verse that I think will transform our emotional lives, our, our feelings, Two truths. Let me share them with you and then share how they've impacted me. The first truth is this. I think this verse shows that feelings of joy, peace, and hope in Jesus are essential to the Christian life. Essential. Not optional. Not frosting on the cake that maybe could be there, maybe not. But they are essential to the Christian life. And the reason I say that is because of what Paul prays in verse 13. When Paul prays, he doesn't pray for things that are not important. He doesn't pray that all the believers in Rome would, you know, like pizza, or that they'd all wear blue, or all wear hats or something. None of that stuff's important. When he prays, he's praying about the things that are important, the things that are God's will for them. He's an apostle. When he prays, he's praying for things that are God's will. And so this is God's will for the Roman believers. And what he prays is that God would give them feelings of joy, peace, and hope. In Jesus. That's what Paul prays for. And so what that means is that if Paul would have looked into my heart as I was driving home on Albany Expressway Tuesday night, Paul, if you could have looked into my heart and seen the bitterness, the frustration, the uh, the aggravation that's there, Paul would have said, I need to pray for Fuller. You know, he's, this is not good. Okay? Because what God wants for him is to have joy and peace and hope in Jesus. And that's not what I had. Paul prays that the Roman believers, and he would pray for us, that we would have joy, peace, and hope in Jesus. But now notice, what kind of joy, peace, and hope is Paul praying that we would have? It's not joy, peace, and hope based on circumstances. Okay, it's not that I would have joy because for some reason I think everything, you know, the cars in itself really get a great price for some like collector who wants this certain kind of car, wants to pay top dollar for it, it'll be a win-win. That's not what he's talking about. It's not joy like your, your daughter just bested her swim you know, team time two weeks ago at the swim meet, or it's not peace because of your job security, circumstantial peace. It's not hope because you've got vacation coming up next weekend. Okay, it's, 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 Those are all fine to have, but that's not what Paul's talking about here. What Paul's talking about here is joy... In the person of Jesus Christ. It's peace because you see Jesus' love and rule over everything. It's hope because you're looking forward to being 
with Jesus now and forever. It's Jesus-centered joy, peace, and hope. Now, the reason I say that, there's two evidences right there in verse 13. One evidence is that it's joy and peace in believing. Okay, believing in Jesus. The whole book of Romans is about believing, trusting, having faith in Jesus. And the second evidence is that the hope he's talking about comes about by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit's all about is satisfying our hearts with the person of Jesus, revealing Jesus to us experientially so that we are full of joy in him and anticipate being with him forever, full of hope, in other words. So the joy and peace is in believing. The hope is brought about by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's the kind of joy, peace, and hope Paul is praying for. That's the kind of joy, peace, and hope that's essential to the Christian life. Joy, in the person of Jesus Christ. Peace as you behold his rule, his loving rule over everything. Hope as you anticipate being with him now and forever. Now just take a step back from that a little bit. Give you some, some context for that. Okay, God has told us in his word that there's a joy that he wants to give us that's infinitely greater than any joy we can get anywhere else. Any circumstance in the world, any possession, any person, anything else. There's a joy that God wants to give us, he says in his word, that's infinitely greater than any other joy we've ever experienced. And that's the joy of knowing God in the person of Jesus. It's the infinitely greatest joy we can have. And it far surpasses anything else that there is. And he's made that clear in his word. That's why he created you. He loves you. He wanted you to be fully satisfied with the greatest joy there is, the joy of beholding him, worshiping him, trusting him in the person of Jesus. Tragically, we've all spurned God's purpose, turned our backs on him. That's what sin is. Because God's just, our sin deserves his eternal punishment. And here's the gospel. I always want to share the gospel so that if you are here and you don't know Jesus yet, you get the whole framework of how this works. God didn't just stop there and levy punishment on us. In amazing goodness and kindness and love and compassion. And really, he he did what's just impossible for us to believe except that he's God and he did it. He sent Jesus who was punished in our place on the cross so that when you repent of your waywardness and you put your trust in Jesus, you're completely forgiven, clothed with Jesus' perfect moral goodness, And God then gives you the gift of the joy of knowing him in the person of Jesus. And for the first time, your heart is satisfied with the joy you were created to have. The fullness of joy and pleasure in beholding this great being that you were created to have. That's what we were made for. That's what we are saved for. That's what Paul prays for. And that joy, peace, and hope in Jesus is essential, an essential part of the Christian life. That's what Paul's talking about here. So not joy, peace, and hope in circumstances, but joy, peace, and hope in knowing Jesus Christ, trusting him, experiencing him. And, and notice also, I mean, check this out. Notice how much joy, peace, and hope Paul's talking about. Did you catch that? Look at verse 13 again. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace. Now, if you are filled 
with joy and peace? How much joy and peace is that? The right answer is a lot, okay? And if you're, what if you're filled with all joy and peace? How much is that? Well, that's a lot of a lot, okay? And then he says, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound, that is, overflow, have more than enough, be gushing forth with hope. So he wants to fill you. These are three different ways of saying total, okay? Fill you, that's total. With all joy and peace, that's total. Abounding in hope, that's total. Total, total, total. Totals up to a whole lot of joy and peace and hope. That's what Paul is praying for. That's what God wants followers of Jesus to feel and to experience. Now, at this point, though, you could stop there and maybe get the wrong idea. Think, okay, that must mean, then, that followers of Jesus don't ever have any trials, don't ever have any sorrows, don't ever have any weeping, right? Could you think that at this point? I did. Maybe some of you think along the same lines as I do. You could think that, but that's not what the Scriptures teach. What the Scriptures teach is that followers of Jesus do experience sorrows, trials, weeping, and difficulties, but in our sorrows, trials, difficulties, and weeping, God will so bring Jesus into our hearts and his presence into our hearts that we have joy in Jesus and peace in Jesus and hope in Jesus in the thick of our weeping and our sorrow and our grief, and so much joy and peace and hope that we are comforted and strengthened in our sorrows and in our griefs. Comforted and strengthened. Okay, that's what Paul's talking about here. That's what he's praying for. So, can you see from that explanation, kind of lengthy, but I want to make sure you get this. Can you see from that explanation that joy, peace, and hope in Jesus are, are essential to the Christian life? Can you see that? Now, see, I didn't always think that. In fact, here's this picture. You're always all wondering what the, that last bottom picture is there. This is a... I grew up in a real strong Christian church, and one of the evangelism uh, brochures they used had this picture of the train on the last page. And notice that the train engine is the facts of the Christian life, the facts about Jesus. The coal car is faith, and then the caboose is feelings. Anybody seen this before or heard this before? Now, I think there's a lot of truth to this, okay? Um, I think that the truth that is helpfully communicated through this is that your faith depends upon the facts of the gospel, doesn't depend on the feelings in your heart. Very important truth. If you wake up tomorrow morning feeling lousy, it doesn't mean that Jesus never came. Okay? Just want to make that really clear. Okay? Putting a lot of emphasis on feelings here, but our faith never depends on our feelings. Our feelings depend upon our faith, as I'm going to be arguing in a moment. So that's true But I took another conclusion from this picture also. Because do you have to have the caboose for the train to move? Not, I'm no big train guy, but Paul, you're a big train guy. Do you need the caboose? (laughs) There you go. Okay. They don't even use them anymore, Paul said, for the mic. All right, so. And that's why I walked away thinking, okay, so the Christian life must just be all about facts and faith. Feelings aren't that important. Feelings, you know, my feelings are always bouncing around. Who knows why I feel the way they do? It's irrelevant. Ignore it. Just kind of be the stoic. Just play the straight guy. Facts and faith, thank you. Just the facts, ma'am, and the faith, ma'am. That's all I need, right? 
a long time ago, TV show. Anyway, never mind. Dale got it. Thank you, Dale. Okay. So I came away with the conclusion that the feelings in my heart are kind of, it's just irrelevant to God because facts and faith is what it's all about. But I'm hoping you can see from Romans 15, 13, and the way Paul prays, that I was wrong in that conclusion. And I want to show you three scriptures here. There's tons of them I could have shown you. But three scriptures, just to drive home the point even more, that God has will, has a, his will did, concerns your feelings. Three scriptures. Philippians 3.1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. That's, that's an astonishing statement. It's a command to feel a certain way. It's stunning. See, don't gloss, think deeply about these things, church. Ponder this. Now, some people say, well, if it's commanded, then the word joy in the Greek must not be a feeling. Nice try. Not so. The word joy in the Greek means joy. Okay, I looked it up. That's why the translators say joy, okay? And we'll talk about how do you obey that command. Look at Psalm 32.11. Be glad. <laughs> what? I mean, isn't, isn't that just stun you? Thou shalt be glad. It's right there. In the Lord, okay, this is Jesus-centered, and rejoice. This is Hebrew, but the Hebrew word joy means, thank you. How'd you know? That's good. Rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. I mean, this is stunning, because David wrote other psalms where he was in the pits of despair. Right? And he wrote this one as well. These things go together. One other scripture, Psalm 100, verses 1 and 2. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Now, if it was just make a noise, uh, we, we can do that. Make a joyful noise. That's interesting. What, what's going on here? Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing, joyful singing. Okay. So, when I'm driving home Tuesday night, and I'm feeling bitter, frustrated, angry, worried. What I need to say to myself is, God wants to give me joy in Jesus, and peace in Jesus, and hope in Jesus now. That's what God wants to give me. When you're feeling frustrated at your boss because he's been unfair, that frustration... God wants to give you joy in Jesus and peace in Jesus and hope in Jesus. Not that you'll just blow off what your boss did. He may call you to talk to your boss or to take appropriate steps, but it's going to be from a foundation of joy in Jesus Christ and peaceful strength in Jesus and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what God wants for you. God wants joy, peace, and hope in Jesus. Those are essential parts of the Christian life. So how does God give the joy, the peace, and the hope in Jesus? What can we do to obey those commands? Be glad in the Lord. And that's the second truth I found from this verse. Second truth is this. Joy, peace, and hope in Jesus 
come from believing in Jesus. Now look again at verse 13 of Romans 15. In this verse, Paul talks a lot about what God's going to do. Lots of things that God does. But then there's one thing he mentions that we do. Did you catch that? Look at the verse again. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Okay? So what God does is he fills us with joy and peace, and he causes us to abound in hope. But what is the one thing in that verse that we do? Believe. Same word as faith in the Greek. Believe, faith, trust, those are all the same Greek word. So what we do is believe. Now see, this is really crucial, because you you can't, by your willpower, choose to rejoice in Jesus. You just can't do that. Emotions aren't the kind of thing you can will. You just can't. By definition, you can't do that. But, by God's grace, His working in our hearts, we can choose to trust Jesus. We can choose to believe in Jesus. That's what's being talked about here. We can choose to believe in Jesus. Now, let me just a little bit of a, par- of a paragraph, parenthesis here. Last two weeks we've talked about this. I've been, I've been hearing that it's been so helpful for some of you. I want to just remind you again. Believing in Jesus is not just agreeing with truths about Jesus. That's important. You can't have faith without that, but faith is more than that. Faith is not just agreeing with truths about Jesus. It's not me driving home Tuesday night saying, Jesus loves me, Jesus cares about me, he died on the cross, I'm forgiven, I'm right with God, Jesus is in control of everything. All those are true statements. It's good to say those, but I'm not trusting Jesus yet. Because trust in Jesus is a personal heart attentiveness to the real Jesus. It's a relational heart connection to Jesus marked by trust in Him. So instead I'm driving home Tuesday and I'm thinking, Jesus, you love me. You died on the cross to pay for all of my sins. I'm right with the Father. You're in control of everything. You are rejoicing over me to do me good. You, you, you. Faith is talking to Jesus about who he is, trusting Jesus himself that he is who the scriptures lay him out to be, worshiping him for who he is, thanking him for his promises, asking him for help. That's what faith is. Are are you getting the difference? Because what I'm hearing coming back in the middle of the week is that lots of us here, most of what we do and what we thought faith was was just agreeing mentally, Jesus is this, Jesus is this, Jesus is this. That's helpful. In fact, that's essential but it's not full faith. So we're getting this now, right? Oh, I, just, I get so excited now thinking about, Lord, Mercy Hill Church, people today, they're looking to you. We're trusting you. We're talking to you. If we as a church community would be connecting in our hearts with the living Jesus on a regular basis, amazing things. Well, they, they've been happening. And even more will be happening. So that's what it means to trust in Jesus. And so when we believe in Jesus, when we trust him, when we have faith in him, as I just described, God will fill us with joy and peace and hope in Jesus. He will do that because he does that in believing. 
when you read the scriptures this week and then in the next weeks to come, I hope you're all reading the scriptures on a regular basis, keep your eyes peeled, my dad used to say, keep your eyes peeled, anybody else ever talk that way? Keep your eyes peeled for verses where you see a cause-effect connection between faith and joy, or faith and peace, or faith and hope. There's a cause-effect connection. You know, cause-effect like when you turn the key in the ignition switch... What, what hopefully happens? The engine goes on, okay? All right, so you turn the key, there's the cause. The effect is that the engine starts up. Cause, effect, same thing. When you have faith in Jesus, when you trust Jesus, joy, peace, and hope will be given to you by God. Cause, effect. Now let me show you three scriptures that as I've had my eyes peeled, I've seen. Three scriptures that show a cause-effect relationship between faith in Jesus and joy. In this case, these are all about joy, actually. But you can look at them for peace and hope as well. Psalm 13.5. I've got them up here on the screen, so you don't need to look them up in your Bible. But I have trusted, past tense, I've previously trusted in your steadfast love. Trusted, there's faith right there. I've trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall Cause, effect now, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Why can he be so sure that his heart will rejoice in God's salvation? Because he has trusted. There's a cause, effect relationship between faith and joy. He's got the faith, the joy is coming. Cause, effect. I have trusted, I will rejoice. See that? Next verse, Psalm 33, 21, even more explicit. For our heart is glad in him. Just feeling gladness in in God, in Jesus. Why? Because, cause, because, okay? Because we trust in his holy name. Trust, faith, believing in Jesus Christ results in gladness in him. One other one, there's, there's, there's dozens in the scriptures, but here's one more, Philippians 1.25. Paul says, convinced of this I know, that I will remain... And continue with you all for your progress and, I get this last four words, joy in the faith. Joy is in faith. Because when you have faith, joy comes. Joy is in faith. There's a cause-effect relationship there. And there's, there's many, 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 many more. Okay, now, back to my Tuesday night situation. Okay, there I am feeling frustrated, worried, and bothered. And I realized, because I've been thinking about this verse, because I knew I was going to be preaching about it, that God wants me to have joy, peace, and hope in Jesus, which I wasn't having. So there's a problem there. And I realized I couldn't just turn off my frustration, worry, and bother. You can't just grit your teeth and will those away. You can't turn on joy, peace, and hope. But what I could do is I can turn my heart upon Jesus. Not ignore the problem, but just let's start thinking about Jesus. Let's start trusting Jesus. And so that's what I did. And here's two things that I believed Jesus for. Maybe that's the best way to describe this. And I would encourage you to put it down in your notes. But I think these two statements summarize all the promises that are in the Scripture. I like to summarize things. I mean, the details are helpful, but here's kind of the big picture. First, I, I trusted that Jesus himself is my highest joy. That's A huge number of the promises in the scripture. In your presence there is fullness of joy. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. There's passage after passage after passage 
Jesus is my highest joy. And so I just talked to Jesus about that. You are my highest joy. You're glorious. You're loving. You're all-powerful. Look at your love demonstrated in the cross. You've always been. You are God. You care for me, a sinner. What an amazing thing. You've given me a new heart. You're rejoicing over me to do me good. And so just thinking about all that Jesus is. So my highest joy is in knowing Jesus. There's this being, Jesus, God, who's come in the flesh, who I can know and behold and worship. And it's in his presence that there's fullness of joy. He's my highest joy. Not getting the car problem solved. Not selling it for a really, really big price. Not winning the lottery. You know, that, that's, that's not where my highest joy is found. None of those are even come close to the joy that you can have in Jesus. Now, I'll pray for all those things except for the lottery. Okay? Uh, nothing wrong with praying for those. I'm praying that, you know, whatever, he'll give us wisdom and if we decide to sell it or keep it or whatever. But my highest joy is in knowing Jesus. And so I just started there. Jesus, you are my highest joy. I look back on my past years. My highest points of satisfaction and heart contentment have been in beholding you, knowing you, worshiping you. And it was just so powerful to start there. And then secondly, I talked to Jesus about how he promises to work everything out to give me full and lasting joy in him. Every other promise comes under that category. Two categories of promises. Here's what I mean. See, Jesus is sovereign over who buys what cars all over Santa Clara County. Probably Alameda County too, okay? Maybe even San Benito, okay? Truth be known, the whole world. He, 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 he leads people. I mean, he's in sovereign control over what everybody does, what everybody thinks, what everybody buys or sells, cars. He's in sovereign control over gas prices. He is in sovereign control over everything. And he loves me. He cares about me. And he's promised to take care of my needs. Now, I don't know what that's going to mean. I don't know if that's going to mean that he's going to have our car sell. I don't know. He hasn't promised that. So I don't focus on that because I don't know. I'll pray for that if we decide to do that. But I don't know. That's not where my hope is going to lie. My hope is going to lie in the fact that he will orchestrate everything in this problem to bring me full and lasting joy in him. And since my highest joy is where? In him. Then great joy and peace and hope comes when I realize this is bringing me the highest joy I could have. However way it goes. You see that? This is so freeing. When you have an illness, for example, God can heal your illness miraculously and supernaturally. He doesn't always do that. But he can do that. So you don't put your hope in, I'm going to get healed. You put your hope in, Jesus is going to do, in regards to my sickness, whatever will bring me full and lasting joy in him. And then you're free. You're at peace. And you pray for healing. That's what we're supposed to pray for. And he may heal. Or he may not. But either way, your faith stands firm because he will do what he's promised to do. Orchestrate that whole situation to bring you the greatest and the lastingest joy you could have in him. And as I trusted him as my highest joy and trusted him that he's going to work everything out to give me full and lasting joy in him, about five minutes before I got home, my heart started to change. Peace came, started with peace. 
And then joy came. And then hope came. Not because I knew what was going to happen. Didn't know. Or maybe to be more accurate, I knew one thing that was going to happen. Jesus, my highest joy, is going to take care of this problem in a way that I end up with full and lasting joy in Him. And that's where I rested, in that. All joy and peace in believing so that we can abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so there's two truths I want us to wrestle with in our home groups this week. The first is that feelings of joy, peace, and hope in Jesus are essential to the Christian life. I want you to work that through. Think about that. And then the second truth is that joy, peace, and hope in Jesus come from believing in Jesus. And what I'm praying will happen is that as you go through the week, you keep tabs on what's happening in your heart. Is there joy in Jesus or not? If there's not, set your heart on trusting Him. Is there peace or are you worried or bothered? If you're worried and bothered, set your heart on trusting Him. Are you full of hope about your future in Jesus or are you kind of feeling blah and listless about your future? Set your hope on trusting Him. Remember I talked about how grief and sorrow can be coexisting with joy in Jesus, so He's comforting you, He's strengthening you, He's giving you peace. I think those are all feelings. I think they're all heart. And I think joy in Jesus can come and comfort and can cover and can support and can strengthen the midst of a grievous time. So I have not found any helpful way to say that feelings are not an important part of the Christian life. Just any Webster Dictionary definition of the word feelings. I'm not talking about like physical feelings. I'm not talking about, you know, like chills. I'm I'm talking about heart, joy, peace, longing, sadness, boredom, excitement, hope, listlessness, Those are all the kinds of feelings, heart things I'm talking about. Yeah, okay? All right, thanks for the questions. Um, We've got to wrap this up. Let's stand. I want to pray this over us. So here's what I want to challenge you to do this week. I mean, we're we're seeking to follow Jesus in the everyday situations of our lives, to, to have faith in Jesus in the different circumstances you face. So keep tabs this week on your hearts. What are you feeling? How much joy in Jesus, peace based on Jesus, hope in Jesus is there or is not there? And when it's not there, because many times it will not be there, okay? In 30 minutes, you'll find that there's times where it's not there. Realize God wants to give you joy and peace and hope in Jesus. And so in a new way, when you can, set your heart on Jesus. You're my highest joy. Thank you for that. Give me more of that now and help me to trust you that you will orchestrate everything in my life to bring me the fullest and the most satisfying joy in you forever. So Lord, I pray that you'd bring this upon us. That this week as we're following you at work, doing laundry, talking to our kids, talking to our parents, commuting, jogging at the gym, eating, thinking about a conversation we've just had in every circumstance we're in, that we, Jesus, could be trusting you as our highest joy, and trusting that you're in control of everything to bring us our highest joy in you. And that as a result of that, there'd be joy, strong joy, peace, strong, powerful peace, and hope focused on you. Thank you, God, that this is who you want to be to us, that you don't just say facts and faith and forget the feelings, but that you care about how we feel, and you want to give us joy, peace, and hope in believing. So Lord, put this upon us, I pray. Take us deep in this, I ask you now. In Jesus' name.